This is the Connor Chetnik Podcast, episode number four. I'm experiencing some technical difficulties on my end. Maybe I've been talking too much crap on Twitter or something. I don't know what's going on. So this is going to be an audio-only podcast. I'm joined with my friend Q today. Q, how are we doing? Thank you for coming on the Connor Chetnik Podcast. Doing good, doing good. Thank you. I'm excited to have you here, your fellow Bitcoiner. Um, but you know what? I don't. I don't want to start this conversation off with Bitcoin because it's pretty much think about that every single day, every waking moment. <laughs> okay, maybe not every waking moment, but uh, and I know you're a big film TV guy as well. And I recently saw the new Jordan Peele movie. Nope. Have you seen that yet? Ooh, no. Uh, nope. But I want to. I want. Yeah, I want to. I've heard. I've heard. Actually, I've actually heard mixed things about it. Uh, yeah. Did you like it? I did like it. You know, I'll say compared to uh, Get Out, it wasn't as good, I guess. I, I thought Get Out was just like, you know, he knocked out of the park with that one. Mm-hmm. But it is funny to see how pop culture, popular culture, if you will, is kind of, I mean, obviously, it's, it's just becoming more and more prevalent in films and just the mannerisms of the actors and Kiki, Kiki's Palmer, Palmer's character was ripping a vape from the whole time, which... I don't know, you know, back in the days, Cowboys would be smoking cigarettes, and, like, the whole movie was, like, on a ranch, and it's just kind of funny how in today's culture that is, uh, you know, the popular culture seeps into the biggest movies, TV shows, etc. It was funny seeing that. No, I love that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I want to watch it, because, like you said, Get Out was was amazing. Us was amazing. I loved all his, all his stuff. Um and yeah, I've just been on a binge of like watching all the Marvel, the Marvel movies, uh, kind of disappointed to be honest, but, um, uh, excited for this upcoming drop for sure. Yeah. I, I wouldn't hate on Marvel. I, I, the first Iron Man's amazing. I like Avengers Endgame, but I feel like it's just become a cash cow for yeah. Marvel cash cow for Disney. And they're just trying to turn them out. They're not as quality. More Ragnarok was really good, but I heard this more recent one wasn't too great. I haven't seen it yet. No, exactly. That's exactly what I was talking about. Like I watched that one and I watched the Doctor Strange movie. Um, and it feels like with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok, they figured out that they can just make a bunch of money by having it kind of a little bit more loose, right? A little bit more improv. Um, and in these most recent movies, it really feels like they're just leaning all the way into that, uh, but they're leaning into it like five movies down the line, so it's kind of getting played out already. Yeah, my dad went and saw, and he was saying that this, in his words, he described the new Thor as being too cute. And I feel like mm. in the beginning, Marvel did a really good job with keeping it like an action movie that would inject parts of humor that you know that were relevant and hit right. And then I think at some point, if you try and get a little too much with that. Like, a movie that did a great job with, I guess, being cute in quotation marks would be um, Guardians of the Galaxy. That was just hilarious. And they did an excellent job towing that line. But I think when, mm-hmm. you, when you don't tow the line right, it can. it's just hard to take the movie seriously. It's, it's, it's not uh, – it just kind of makes the movie kind of cringe, if you will. Yeah, no, I like, I like the stuff that gets a little bit – it's mostly intense, and then you have the – the like comedic relief, right? Rather than the whole thing basically be comedic relief. And then you have this like weird spikes of, of emotion and drama. Um, like I just saw highly recommend this, you know, like I uh, just saw moon Knight on Disney plus it's basically takes you through this, uh, this troubled kind of like anti-hero guy. 
um, who's struggling with DID, dissociative identity disorder. It's amazing. Like, first of all, the art, the artist is, or the, the uh, actor is just amazing. Like you can like switch in between different types of styles uh, throughout the entire, the entire show. Um, but also just like the storytelling is like really, really strong, uh, super dramatic, super emotional. Um, and it's just like character buildup. Like, I don't know. I've just been really obsessed with storytelling lately. Like just been, I've just been watching a bunch of YouTube videos on storytelling uh, and things of the like. Cause I really think this whole uh, new like wave of, of um, block. Yeah. Web three blockchain uh, marketing is all about storytelling. Uh, and what we realize with like these, these movies, these intense stories, they have, they spend the first like 30 to 45 minutes just investing in the character. Uh, so that at the end of the story, you can actually feel that whole like culmination. And we, when we try to bring that into like Web three, right? I mean, I, I'm mostly I'm a I'm a blockchain or I'm a Bitcoin guy, right? But I love just seeing Ethereum develop, uh, and it's really interesting to see how like Vitalik is continually like building out the the story. Uh, without any like clear direction, right? Like, <laughs> I think this identity play is, <laughs> is interesting, um, and the merger. We'll see how the fuck that'll go. Uh, but it, the reason I feel like it's so um, engaging is because the the first part of their story was the addition of smart contracts, right? Like this idea of of utility on the blockchain. Uh, like I I don't think a lot of people are looking at Web three and thinking like, wow, these are amazing stories. Uh, but really that's, that's what it is. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's stories on the code. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I reside more on the Bitcoin maximalist side of the house. I, I think proof of stake is kind of mm. Fugazi. <laughs> you really, yeah. I don't know what's going on with the merge. Um, and I mean, obviously the low bra joke here is say web proves all storytelling because you got to tell stories to dump on retail. That said, um, you know, I like things like the Brave Browser. I don't necessarily know if they need their own basic attention token, um, but I like the idea that I get rewarded something of monetary value for using their browser, and it's also got more safety features built in. Um, I guess my qualm, though, with some of this proof-of-stake stuff is, I mean, it's like proof of ownership, and I guess it's good to have a stake in the network, but, you know, we're seeing the White House literally try and redefine what a recession is because this Thursday we're going to find out if we're in a technical recession, which has always been two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. And with proof of stake, you can withhold TXs, you can withhold transactions. And the thing that makes proof of work so powerful is no one can change the ledger. No one can edit history. I mean, it is a fact. If you, if you look on the Bitcoin network and you spin up your own node, it's not that expensive. You can verify for yourself that everything happened. And on some of these other systems um, uh, in the Web3 community, I feel like, I mean, I love the idea. I like the idea of controlling my data and not giving it to the massive surveillance state that keeps growing every day. But I don't necessarily know if a token is necessary. And I think we're all self-interested actors. Like, I'm I'm not trying to shit on anyone who's building in the space. And we need people building. We need people testing. We need people trying new things. And who knows exactly how it plays out? Like, just because I reside in the Bitcoin maximalist camp doesn't mean the market gives a shit what I think. You know, who knows how this branches off? Maybe the merge is successful. Maybe 
I'm not putting my money on that. I'm putting it into Bitcoin, but I think having an open mind is really important. You know, I listened to uh, Mark Andreessen talk on Joe Rogan's podcast today, and the dude is a really smart dude, and, you know, he helped create the browser, and now he's kind of gotten the big Twitter beef with Jack Dorsey, the creator of Twitter, because, you know, Jack thinks kind of Web3 is bullshit, and he's building this Web5 with DIDs, decentralized identities, and I like that if people are running their own nodes and their house and their own servers. But realistically, I don't know how many people are going to go out and buy a Raspberry Pi and a terabyte hard drive and do that. Um, so, I mean, it's it, – the reason I brought up the Mark Andreessen thing is because one of the things he said on the podcast is, you know, it's easy to look back and say, oh, the iPhone was inevitable. Oh, the personal computer was inevitable. But the dude looked through it, and he gave countless example after example of technologies that big companies like HP, whatever, were saying – oh, no, we don't need that. That's not going to be a big deal. I forget who we said there was one company that thought there'd be five computers in the world, two for the U.S. government and three for the big insurance companies. Like, clearly that didn't come to be. So I think it's super important to keep an open mind with a lot of this stuff. Um, but I think sometimes the incentives, like, I think a lot of these people mean well, and I think kids growing up are going to want to use wallets to show they own something. And, like, I see the use case of smart contracts, but what worries me is especially seeing, you know, first they change the definition of the shop and then they change the definition of what a woman is. And then now they're changing the definition of what a recession is. And if you have a way to change the history books, the history books will be changed by the victor, the people in power, the people in control. And what makes proof of work so special is that no one can go in and edit that ledger. Um, and obviously, there's not really NFTs being built on Bitcoin. There's not – I know Taproot was supposed to help with smart contracts. So that's not being built there. Um, but I just think, first, we need to fix the money before – I mean, people are going to innovate and people are going to be in whatever spaces. The way I see it is I want to do everything in my power to help Bitcoin become adopted so we can fix the money. And then when we fix the money, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff going on in the metaverse. But I just think only one can truly win out as money. And I think it's so crucial that the money that does went out is an immutable ledger, a ledger that can't be changed no matter how badly the people in power might want that ledger to be changed. Yeah, no, I think Bitcoin has a, has the strongest case for being like a store of value, store of long-term value out of any crypto currently, right? Like, it's, I think that's very clear. Unquestion, yeah. Uh, unquestionable. Um, now, the hardest part that I think it needs to solve, and I think it's starting to solve with the Lightning Network, right, is its ability to be transacted efficiently, right? Like, right now, it's very hard for me to go and buy, um, relative to money, it's hard for me to buy a to buy a house, right, or buy a car with my with my Bitcoin. Um, there are services coming up, right, that are growing. Um, but then I also have to like worry about the the speed of the transaction because it is larger, right? That's why I'm saying the Lightning Network can only really, uh, yeah, only really helps instant. the tiny. Huh? Well, I mean, have you used Moon Wallet? Lightning Network instantly. I mean, it can speed. You know, you scan a QR code, boom, it's in your wallet. Really? It can handle Moon's infrastructure. What's the yeah, what's the cap? I'm not sure exactly what it is, but the Cleveland Fed just came out with a paper talking about how the Lightning Network is actually fixing the whole medium of exchange thing. There we um, go. And I, you haven't finished your point, but you, I mean, you know, you're right. It's hard to buy a car at this point with Bitcoin, I guess, unless you're in El Salvador. Um, but 
same with any other crypto. I mean, we all have to oh, yeah. out at this point in the United States to buy. Uh, so, uh, you know, no, but that's also one I'm, of those things. Mm-hmm. As a store of value, you know, I think the medium of exchange comes after the store of value thing. Yeah. Because when this asset is still in its infancy, when it is prone to swing thousands, if not more dollars a day, um, if you're treating it as like a long-term savings as a store of value, you don't want to part with that Bitcoin unless it's like something you really like. You know, I'm going to a Bitcoin dinner here in Boston in, in a couple of weeks and. I pay with Bitcoin because like, I'm super excited to meet up with other Bitcoiners and, you know, it's cool to use Bitcoin as a medium of exchange. But I think it kind of makes you, if you really think this thing is going to be a great store of value over the long term, it changes the way you're willing to spend your money. Whereas a dollar, in fact, I get dollars. and I mean, I keep a little on hand, you know, just in case for a rainy day. But overall, I'm like, this thing is not storing its value well. Like, I need to spend this shit. <laughs> it just, it's a different way of thinking about how you're going to spend your money. And I think it's a more positive one because if you know your money's going to retain its value over time, it makes you much more cognizant to not buy bullshit products. No, absolutely. I mean, because I think that's a really valid point. Like the more you value your, your currency, the less willing you are to spend it on random shit. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, that's a fair, fair point to kind of uh, undermine the whole uh, NFT wave. Right. Like uh, there is a lot of shit and people just continue to gamble. Um, so like how valuable is um, Ethereum, Polygon, uh, Helium, uh, Cardano, right? How valuable is it if, if they're just gambling it on so much bullshit? Um, but yeah, uh, but I digress. I think the big, big point here is like uh, what I saw that was really exciting about I mean, you mentioned the decentralized identity, but then also uh, Vitalik is starting to touch into this soul bound token idea, right? The soul token where it's like untransferable. No, no, no. It's not even, it's not Solana. Uh, S-O-U-L. So basically like it's a NFT, (laughs) but it's a token that represents your identity on the Ethereum blockchain, right? Uh, So it's, the, the whole idea is I should be able to get loans against my crypto based off of my actions on the blockchain. There should be able, there should be some sort of system to verify, right? Without looking at my actual identity, verify that my wallet is good for it. Kind of like a credit score. Um, I think once you start jumping into those big, big transactions like cars, boats, uh, fucking real estate, right? That's when you really start seeing the shift in, in the money because then it's like, it's all about, or the economy is all filled by just these cycles, right? Basically like a, like a laundromat where you're just seeing a bunch of uh, money just distributed across the, across the laundromat. Um, once you start taking dollars out of that laundromat and start using Bitcoin into that laundromat, uh, you start seeing less and less of that, that dollar be used. Uh, and you start seeing Bitcoin start grow to its full potential, right? As more people, as more people use it in, at large scale, uh, that's where we start seeing all the smaller, more kind of novice investors or nar- novice uh, consumers start actually leaning into it and saying like, hmm, I guess this is a better way to, to use money because no one can steal or it's much harder for people to steal my Bitcoin uh, than to steal the, the dollars out of my pocket. Yeah, 
I mean, it is, you know, you can memorize 12 words if you want, and that is the money. And it really just disincentivizes the means of violence because obviously not, I'm a Bitcoin maximalist. I haven't just put my seed phrase in my head. I don't have that level of security per se, but you can have that level of security and it disincentivizes violence because the government might be able to kill you, but they can't steal your money if you've just memorized 12 words. So, I mean, it is the best form of money that can't be censored, debased, you know, it's fixed supply. It can't be, I mean, it can still be stolen, but it's much easier to free someone's bank account than it is to steal their Bitcoin. And in some cases you won't even, you could kill the person, but you can't actually take their wealth. So, I mean, it's such a radical change. And uh, I think people are rational. I think people are skeptical, rightfully so in some cases, but you know, it just reminds me of what Mark was saying on Joe Rogan's podcast that people uh, are always skeptical of these new innovations. And I, I think I, you know, I'm glad we're having a productive conversation. And, you know, I, I think sometimes Bitcoin maxis and people in the ETH camp can just yell at each other and it doesn't become productive. But I think, uh, obviously I align myself with Bitcoin maxis, but what I think you, you mentioned is important is like, you want to bring people into the space and you don't want them treating NFTs per se as a sound retirement investment per se. You know, it's like, it's much easier to tell someone, Hey, dollar cost average into Bitcoin, get long on this thing, only put in what you're willing to stomach. And I mean, maybe it's our younger generation and hell, pain is the best teacher. So these people are going to learn. Um, but it's like, it, it, there's a lot of cool stuff happening in the space. And I do think that, Maybe at some point, you know, they start putting titles in the blockchain. Um, but you're going to kind of need government support for that. And governments seem to just co-op stuff and use it to their own advantage. So I guess what I'm saying, I don't know how it plays out. I think it's great to have productive conversations like this and realize that not everyone's going to agree. Um, but where I reside is, it, I think driving Bitcoin, like the LNP, BP, Lightning Network Protocol, Bitcoin Protocol, I think it's going to take all the use cases of money. And I think with Lightning, you'll be able to do a bunch of cool smart contract stuff. And I, I see there's a big thing brewing with, um, and I don't even, these people aren't like, they also like Bitcoin. I mean, that's the interesting thing. But sometimes Bitcoin maxes will point fingers and say, you're trying to only point Bitcoin so you can sell your gamble, if you will, or, you know, token or project or, or whatever. And uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it just goes back to education and, the more we can educate people. I, and I think it comes from having conversations with people who see it differently than you. Cause like I said, just cause I don't think proof of stake is a solid way to run your blockchain. Um, maybe it has a place in the world. And I worry cause you know, I, like I say, you're seeing the white house literally try and redefine what a recession is now that it looks like we're going to enter into a recession. Um, and that's why I think proof of work is so important, but I just think it's also that there's something to keep in an open mind and, not assuming I'm right, no matter what. And, uh, and I mean, it's Twitter. Like there's nothing anyone can just fire off a tweet and tell people to F off or, you know, be a dick. But uh, I do think there is value in having an open mind and having honest conversations and realizing, you know, who knows, maybe we're both onto something. Maybe we're both wrong. Maybe (laughs) who knows how this plays out. Um, but we've got our money where we think it's going to play out and, I think we're both, you know, 
trying to help people onboard into a, a better overall system compared with fiat, which is just messing up a lot of things in the world, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I love the I love what you said earlier about um, talking to people who have a different perspective as you, because uh, I've been diving into the the Cardano world recently, and honestly, they just look like really really novice. Like, <laughs> I feel like uh, because I've been I was like introduced and kind of dove into the space through Ethereum that I am like close to an Ethereum maxi, but to be fair. I sold I sold almost all my Ethereum for around the top and then held all or have never sold any Bitcoin. Like so <laughs> that just gives you some perspective as to where, where my stance is in yeah, this space. So you're a Bitcoin but, actually in your heart. I've been rubbing off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Slowly but surely. Well because I'm looking at it as like yeah, I'm looking at it as, as like store of value, right? Now Mm-hmm. Now I've been mostly looking into to Cardano just to see like what the hell is going on in the space, um, and mainly just like talking to other people from the Cardano side. And it's interesting this like next layer of like tribalism that's coming about, where you have these like blockchain maxis right or in their respective blockchain saying that like no Bitcoin Bitcoin is too slow. There's not enough there. It's boring. It's it's old school. Like we need we need new style shit. Um, and then they just say, oh no, my our, ours is the best. Um, like the same way, like you saying how you're you're a Bitcoin maxi. There are ETH maxis. There are Cardano maxis. Um, it'd be interesting to see if that becomes the next meta, where like instead of uh, people being so like nationalist, they're just like blockchain nationalists. <laughs> where they just uh, they just uh, hate other people because they're on a different blockchain, uh, but I think it's just like a new new level of like social interaction that I don't think anybody could have foreseen, where people are kind of pinned against each other on Twitter or on social medias because of their preference of a technology. Like that's exciting. I think that's really exciting for uh, for like a species. Yeah, it is exciting. It's amazing how passionate people get, and the reason I personally reside in the Bitcoin maximalist camp. You know, I got in 2017, and I traded shitcoins for a long time and all the things. And I guess what gradually compelled me toward Bitcoiners, which I think is more broad, is how I define myself. I guess a Bitcoiner, not necessarily just a maximalist, because I don't know how it plays out. But what makes me so excited about the whole Bitcoin camp is that the majority of people that I see in the space, and again, I'm just in one little echo chamber, uh, echo chamber of Twitter, you know, so I mean, obviously I'm not seeing everything. But what I see from Bitcoiners is they genuinely want a different monetary system. They genuinely want to make it better. They don't want governments to be able to tax people twice, once through their income, and then once again through inflation. And the inflation one is really malicious because people, for the most part, just don't understand. You know, you start throwing around terms like quantitative easing and, uh, you know, what the Federal Reserve and the Treasury do to, you know, credit markets and all this stuff, and people's eyes roll over and they just don't understand how malicious our current fiat currency system is. You know, I was talking to my girlfriend about this and she, she mentioned that everything has an opportunity cost that, you know, it's, it's like, if you're going to part with your money, you have to face an opportunity cost of losing that money to get the good. And, you know, I was saying the only thing that doesn't have an opportunity cost is the quote unquote elite or, you know, the central bankers being able to print money out of thin air. But one thing 
you got me thinking about is like there actually is an opportunity cost, but that opportunity cost is not faced by the central bank per se. That opportunity cost is everyone else interacting in the economy and the pain that that inflation causes when they start buying different financial assets. And as far as I can see, uh, it seems like Bitcoiners are the few that understand that. I think a lot of these other projects, they might mean well, but it just seems to me that proof of stake could be way, like just the ability to co-opt it seems too big right now, especially as these markets are small. You know what I mean? I mean, I know at one point crypto had over a $3 trillion market cap, and now it's like maybe a trillion with Bitcoin being almost half of that. But proof of work, you still like, you can't change the immutable ledger. And as far as I can tell, just from what we're seeing in our current day and age with how powerful, you know, the media and the government and all these big industries have become on social media. Um, it, it seems like we, we, it, we need a source of truth that we know can't be corrupted. And I just see Bitcoiners, uh, it, just, it just makes the most sense to me. It seems like those are the people who understand the only way to get out of this system instead of having a Fiat 2.0 system is through an immutable ledger that no one can change that is truly scarce that set at 21 million. And uh, I mean, it's, it's the incentives that secure the network that's so beautiful. And I, like I said, I think there's people in these different blockchain communities who probably mean well and mean best. And I mean, there's exciting stuff happening. Like, you know, I played the central and and honestly, that game is kind of cool. Like it's cool to see all the stuff going in on that, but I don't know if that game needs a token. Like, I also play Fortnite, and I also play Madden, and I also play FIFA, and I like all those games. I don't need a token to play on those games. Um, and, you know, I obviously, I, I don't, I'm not that technical. I'm trying to be more technical, but I'm not that technical, so I don't know if they could have, how integrating Bitcoin would have worked. Um, but it seems like sometimes the incentives of these other networks get construed because humans are sporadic, unique, random, amazing creatures. And we also have the dark side of human nature, that kind of, I guess we're all self-interested and it's people's self-interest that continually will help the Bitcoin network grow and grow and grow and grow. And I think some of these other tokens and just the urge to dump on quote unquote retail and get your money back, I think over time can corrupt a lot of people who initially might have meant well, might have meant to change the world for the better. And I think that incentive is too great for uh, like 99.9% of these people. Yeah, no, I think, um, I mean, we don't have to even think too far. Like I think it was yesterday or even today uh, when ETH, <laughs> ETH whales just dumped off of, on retailers. Like <laughs> I think it was like three, <laughs> yeah, three weeks ago, ETH, Ethereum was worth $800. Uh, nothing happens for three weeks. I think I think Vitalik put out his white paper on soulbound tokens during that three week span, right? But he he already had put it out like months before, like out in April. Um, so nothing happens for three weeks, and then it jumps up. Uh, in the past like three four days, it jumps up to uh, sixteen hundred, right? So nearly double, right? And everyone's just hyping in. Uh, aping in people are tweeting about it like eth pump eth pump eth pump eth pump of course the influencers are talking about it because they're just prepping right prepping their bags and then uh yeah and then come yesterday uh i think it dropped back down let me check what, what is that right now um 
where people just got dumped on. Like, and when I talk to a bunch of people that have been in the been in this space for a minute, there's like, of course they're gonna dump on them. Like, why <laughs> why wouldn't they? Uh, okay, it's at fourteen hundred, so it's just down two hundred two hundred dollars. But down two hundred dollars in in like a traditional uh, stock is insane <laughs> to feel right. Like this type of volatility. Uh, and well, I'm sure it's going to continue. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like that, right, you know, the t- people's time preference. And uh, I, I really think that a lot of people that go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole start lowering their time preference. You know, if you're going to think of something as a store of value, as money, you don't, you know, you, you don't buy, I mean, I guess some people do, but I was going to say you don't buy gold and expect to see it 2x tomorrow. You know what I mean? I mean, you treat it like a savings account. You think, especially gold that shit's been fucking you know i think in 2008 i mean i don't i don't know what gold was but i think it was roughly the cost of what it is today it was in 2008 so not seeing these huge gains but still over time it's a good store of value right and it seems mm-hmm. like a lot of the altcoins has very high time reference people people are checking the charts trying to trade it trying to do all this DeFi stuff which you could argue is it i mean it's decentralized in name but is it really i mean that's a whole nother bag of worms but what's so encouraging to see is people lowering their time preference, in my opinion, and getting long on this and just not everyone concludes to the get on zero per se, but, uh, you know, like I talked to my mom about it and she's like, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, but to me, it's just like, it's not an investment per se. It's a savings. It's something that I am thinking you know, I'm not touching this until 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And my hope is at that point that I can just use it as a medium of exchange rather than have to sell it for the same paper money that our government here in the United States and I guess all of the countries are like this at this point, just print out a thin air that just create that just hold that an SQL database at the Federal Reserve. Um, and like I say, it does seem like there's some exciting stuff. But as far as I, I can tell, it just seems like a lot of these other cryptos are kind of fiat 2.0. I mean, you know, these people can dump on retail. These people can manipulate the price of it. I mean, you saw with Three Euros Capital, and I haven't really gone down that rabbit hole, but Suzu or whatever, one of the founders of that crypto hedge fund was, you know, he'd tweet out. I mean, like you said, the influencers tweet out, oh, eat pump, eat pump, eat pump. And then they toss their bags up for your retail. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, Bitcoin's not perfect. It's volatile as hell, too. And it has its own influencers, but there's not been a pre-mine. There's not a set of, uh, there's no single point of failure. There's no central entity. And you got the sailors of the world, the palms, the, you know, you know, the list of Bitcoiners goes on who always gas it up. I mean, even myself, I really think this is a better form of money. But I think teaching people the difference between, like, there's only one money that's going to win out and then the rest of these things, mm-hmm. I mean, it just seems like Ethereum is just a way better form of security. Like I would much rather have an Ethereum token than an Apple stock per se yeah. in the sense that you can send and receive Ethereum back and forth and it's easier. Like, you know, I can't really use Apple stock as a medium of exchange. Technically speaking, I could use Ethereum as a medium of exchange, you know, if I wanted to exchange with you or someone else who had it. But, and I mean, hell, you could put Apple stock on an ERC-20 type token. And like, I think that's just, it makes more sense to have securities like that. Um, 
but I think ETH also had its pre-mine with Joe Lovin and Vitalik and all the other co-founders. So it's just, I think it's so crucial to educate people on why only one form of money will win out and everything else is uh, just a new, better form of, I mean, I don't think people are going to start calling them crypto securities, but in a sense, mm-hmm. and I think if they had the, I mean, I don't know. I was going to say the rig of great clarity would fuck the regulators. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, no, I think um, to anyone that's listening and is like a completely new new person to to crypto, I think it gets it's very hard to. There's, I feel like there's a very high barrier to entry because you feel like you have to learn so much about like Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, the blockchain, right? There's you you just get afraid because you're like what the fuck is this like it's all digital like um and i think i mean first of all you can dive in and then you realize wow my dollars are basically digital too but <laughs> like what i'm getting at is yeah. uh, instead of thinking about like all the instead of getting deterred by all the like things that you don't really understand and using that as an excuse to like not start dcaing right or just like completely look the other way and say like, ah, oh, man, I'm not even going to look into this. Um, I think the best, best way to put it. And this is how I like kind of communicated it with my, with my uncle was like, you know, if you don't know enough, uh, enough information, then don't make a rational decision. <laughs> so, right. Like if I don't know enough about blockchain, it doesn't make sense for me to rationally say like, Oh yeah, Bitcoin makes no sense and it won't make any more money. Um, it's like, yeah, stop being so rational. Um, let's just be very, um, or not irrational, but let's just be very simple. Uh, Bitcoin was the first of this whole wave, right? Is this wave going to completely go away? Uh, and if so, is the first one, the OG, still going to be there forever? Or is it going to go with the wave, right? Is it going to be completely demolished? Uh, and... I mean, I think you can look at it. Anything else that's bar, like, that's garnered such a following, right? There's only a couple other assets that have ever ever made it this high, right? Gold being one <laughs> that's actually got got past this uh, this stage, right? I think we're at what is it? Bitcoin's at like two, two. Is it two trillion? I think something around yeah, there. Bitcoin's at like four hundred. Bitcoin's at like a four hundred roughly billion dollar market. A four hundred billion, at like a ten okay. trillion dollar margin cap. Perfect. Okay. Like, at this point, a 20x market cap. So, Bitcoin. yeah, and, but I mean, Bitcoin has got that in the span of 10 years, right? Uh, 13, yeah. 13. Fucking amazing. Uh, so already right there, it's like, all right, do you think uh, all of that money will vanish and all those people that hold that money will vanish uh, and sell their position? And I mean, if you know, think, Bitcoin yes. the quickest asset to get to a trillion dollar market cap ever faster than apple stock faster than everything mm-hmm. which is truly an incredible feat yeah so like at that point like you can keep on you can keep on trying to get more research done before you ever hop in but i really think like that's that's all the the metrics you need like at the very end of the day there are too many apes <laughs> like people will people will leave uh, all the other ones far before uh they'll ever like leave bitcoin like that's just me knowing about all the other people that I or all the other whales that I know. Like people have dumped all their Cardano, dumped all their Solana, um, 
they're holding on to Ethereum. Like I'm, I think I was the first to dump my, my Ethereum, but like, uh, no one's talking about dumping Bitcoin right now. Like that's just another you know, little incentive. You know, one thing I really appreciate about what you said that I, I guess I had, I'm still trying to hash out in my mind. You said that like people just coming into the space who almost feel like, Oh, it's like too much information. I think Bitcoin maximalists can be toxic in the sense they worry that those people are going to get enticed by the, by the siren call of the shit coin, if you will. Right. But one of the old adages in Bitcoin is don't trust, verify. And while I don't like seeing retail get burnt, I am a big believer that pain is one of the best teachers. And while, yeah. of course, I like this whole podcast, I've been preaching, in my opinion, Bitcoin only. Bitcoin is what I'm focused on. Bitcoin is what I think is important in innovation. I think the most crucial thing is to fix the money. I think Bitcoin maximalists in defending Bitcoin so much worry that noobs are going to get burnt. And like I said, I don't like seeing retail get burnt, but people have to take the time to go down the rabbit hole for themselves to learn about this, to make their own opinions, self-custody it. And everyone's journey is going to be different. I mean, some people are always going to keep their coins on an exchange, even though one of the most crucial parts about Bitcoin is you don't have to worry about counterparty risk if you self-custody your coins. But Again, pain is the best teacher, and sometimes it takes people getting burnt, like with Celsius and Voyager and these platforms that essentially, I mean, Mountain Gox way back in the beginning. Like, when these platforms go down, it teaches people a damn valuable lesson, and I don't like seeing anyone lose money. And I'm happy there are Bitcoin maximists out there shouting from the rooftops, get your damn coins off the exchanges, learn to self-custody, learn why Bitcoin's the best. And people have to go down these rabbit holes for themselves and – uh I, you know, to, I echo what you say. Don't overcomplicate it. Like, start dollar cost mm -hmm. averaging. Only put in what you're willing to lose. And uh, you know, if you want to play with a quote unquote shitcoin, I mean, who who the hell am I? Like, I've always kind of come from the libertarian mindset of people should be able to do what they want. And you know, if after going down the rabbit hole or when you get into the space, if that's what you want to do, who the hell am I to tell you that's not what you should be doing? I mean, I, you know, but. I give people my two sats if they, if they want them. You know, I, I talk about Bitcoin specifically, um, but I think that can be lost, I guess, sometimes in, in the Bitcoin space is that it, to get to that don't trust verify mentality, sometimes people got to get burnt. They got to put in the work themselves, proof mm -hmm. of work. In the same way proof of work is so important to make sure the Bitcoin ledger is immutable, proof of work is important for people when they go on their crypto journeys and, uh, you know, if people then want to buy an NFT and, you know, support the creator, good on them. Cool. I mean, that's, you know, that's their decision. And I think while some people treat it as a savings, it, it, which is a horrible idea. And I, I guess it is good. Bitcoin masters call it. People who are like, oh, this is the best investment savings thing ever. It is also important. People put in the work because, uh, you know, like I said, I don't like seeing people lose money, but if you invested your life savings in NFT and then just got absolutely freaking burnt the spare market, I bet you went down a rabbit hole and learned from it. And next time around, hopefully, you start desaying into Bitcoin or a much more productive, I guess it's not a productive asset, but a much better store of value, a, a form of mm -hmm. money that can't be the base base. Just a better overall investment uh, <laughs> than a... Uh, token that from your wallet points to essentially ownership of you know the non-fungible token yeah and and i think uh 
we haven't even touched on the bear market at all this whole time. Like, I think this is a huge opportunity uh, for every everyone that hasn't really touched uh, the blockchain or interacted on the blockchain to like get in and learn at a really tiny, like really, yeah, really tiny price. Like, uh, I think there is still, I don't think we found the bottom on, I mean, we found the bottom, bottom on a couple things, right? Like, uh, like luna and <laughs> and ust we found the bottom there uh but on other on other all across the other assets i don't know if we're at the bottom yet i don't know if bitcoin is going to stand above uh 19 19,000. i don't know if uh ethereum is going to stand above uh 800 or or 700 uh i think it can go all the way down or not all the way down but much lower than that um i think that'd be very interesting to to experience and see um i say that while like shitting myself but i think like uh this whole this whole time is like a huge opportunity like there's gonna be this is a cycle right this is the third i believe this is the third bear market um third bear market that bitcoin is faced is that true is that what it is third or second i, guess, I forget and then you had the run-up in i guess 2013 was like the first big big run-up mm-hmm. and then you have the one in 2017 and then obviously the 2020 2021 um yeah so so yeah what i'm saying is like you're, you're probably gonna feel another one uh because i really think uh with the amount of like technology that's entering into the space and those guys aren't leaving like i was surprised i mean you have this whole counter move of like people saying you can't really find any funding uh, right now for any startups, like traditional startups, there was, um, Y Combinator that just came out with like a, an article two, three months ago saying to all founders, like, hold your pockets, no more money, get really lean. Right. Uh, meanwhile, I'm talking to a bunch of, uh, a bunch of projects or people working in the, in the Cardano and ETH spaces. And there is more than enough money, uh, getting put into projects that have like valuable technology or doing something innovative. So what I'm getting at is these innovators are still staying. They're going to keep on building. Uh, and they're pretty open. Like if you want to work in a DAO, there's opportunities there. If you want to like uh, go and just be part of uh, projects and learn, like meet the coders. Uh, don't recommend meeting the co- coders. They're not that cool. But like you could go and talk to all the, the team members, right? They, almost every project has a Telegram group or a Discord where you can go and interact with the team. Like now more than ever, right? When all the all the uh, hype beasts and all the shillers are basically gone, right? They're not getting a lot of engagement. Uh, this is when the valuable people in the space stay and really come close together. So there's like a huge opportunity to come in as like a noob, right? And just say like, hey, I I don't know much. I saw this whole this whole thing, and I see a bunch of people leaving. Uh, and I believe the smartest move is to come come closer together. Uh, I think there's a huge opportunity for all those that are actually interested in learning about the space to use this as an opportunity to really get close with some of the the seasoned vets that aren't leaving. Like <laughs> they're yeah, they're taking, no. they've already taken scars, and they're they're just going to continue growing. Yeah, I mean, bear markets are a beautiful thing, right? Because to your point, all the influencers are for the most part are drying up. All those people are saying, "Oh, there's no money." But truth be told, people who are buying right now have the most conviction in these assets and are going to hold them for the long term and again the reason why i'm so bullish on bitcoin anyone buying bitcoin right now is like me has no intention of ever selling their bitcoin but 
the monetary policy, as far as I can tell, can't be changed. It's truly fixed. And all these other ones, um, I don't know. But that said, I like we mentioned earlier, they have a very fierce, strong community online. And uh, obviously, people at this point know where I'm putting my money. But I, I think to your point, in the bear market, it's, uh, it's kind of a beautiful thing. Because if you're willing to and put your money in when we have a recession looming, even if the White House is trying to change the definition of it, and you're still willing to buy these things, you clearly, either you're a huge gambler, <laughs> if you're buying like Shiba Inu, Dogelon Mars type coins, or, you know, I think in some of these bigger projects, um, I mean, and obviously Bitcoin, you, you're convicted, you're hodler, right? You're buying mm. this because you, you want to, uh, I mean, everyone's self-interest, so they want to make money, but because you really believe in the underlying technology, and like I said, I mean, there's a lot of money going to these other projects. So I want to keep an open mind and I appreciate you coming on and chatting with me. And I think one of the most important things you can do is keep an open perspective and uh, let people learn for themselves. You know, I really believe the libertarian perspective. Uh, and I know you got something coming up at eight o'clock, Q. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, any last thoughts? Um, I know you want to remain anonymous anywhere. You, any, uh, anything you want to get off your chest? Anything to shill. Yeah, no, nothing to shill. Just a little shit posting. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, no, I think uh, the one thing that I would say is like, don't sleep. Don't sleep on NFTs. I really think there's, there's a use case for them. I don't think we found them just yet, like the exact use case. But I think it's a really interesting space for people to, to kind of explore their storytelling abilities. Uh, and yeah, I can, I can definitely see the whole, like, I mean, this is getting super meta, but like, I can see the, the entertainment business really diving in and, and leveraging, leveraging this, this tool. Um, so yeah, I think that's the only, only thing that I'd, I'd chill. I think there's a lot of, a lot of opportunity in NFTs. And of course, like if you're not in any, in any like Bitcoin, Ethereum, if you're not in any uh, crypto yet, uh, highly recommend like just try and put a, put a dollar into Bitcoin uh, and see what happens to that dollar, right? Like <laughs> you don't need to spend yeah. uh, a shit ton of money, but really just try it out. Uh, and you'll learn so much just by the experience. And to that point, you know, I don't think many Bitcoiners, at least as far as I can tell, are trying to build out like that sports league where people own NFTs and they can like call the plays or what's the dude's name? Tom yeah. by you. I forget, I forget his company, but he's like, he's creating media. Tom Bill you. And, and if you own the NFT, I think it's like immersive theory or something. I'm not going to be bossing mm -hmm. that. But if you own the NFT, you can uh, have a say in the storyline. And I, that that just seems pretty cool to me. I mean, I don't want to write that off. I, you know, I'm not buying NFTs per se because I'm, I'm, I'm spending so much time in my day and I'm storing it in what I think is the best store of value. But I do think those use cases are pretty cool and maybe they could be on Bitcoin later on. But you got to have engineers mm -hmm. them. You got to have people putting in the work and uh, I think sometimes the Bitcoin community is so busy trying to help newbies that we, rather than just focusing on ourselves and building that shit on Bitcoin, we're trying to save those who have to put in the proof of work to understand why this thing's so important. So Q, always a pleasure having you on. Thank you to anyone who tuned in to this podcast. This is the Sergeant Jeffrey Podcast, episode number four. And uh, hope to have you back on someday. The show. Peace, peace.